It is! It's still Saturday! March the 27th! They were almost through the It is Saturday night and the mood is right. It is fight night. What a fight day we had, ladies and gentlemen. I am Steven Mulehausen from DAZN. The man to the right, the handsomest man in all the land. Definitely the handsomest man in the room. D.Y. Daryl Rivera and... But Jesus, Mr. Rivera, how are you, sir, this evening? Doing good, man. A lot of people got put to sleep early today, man, without wanting to. (laughs) Like the day... You know, I was sitting there thinking about how this day was going to go. And I was pretty excited. And the reason I was excited was because of the fact that you had a big boxing card across the pond. And then you were going to get for the heavyweight championship of the world. So you're thinking in your mind, you're like, you got Naganu and Miocic, UFC 260, and you're like, this is going to be a saucy day. And I'm like, you know what? We got a podcast tonight. Walk away to Fight Club. Thank you to everyone that watched all the Fastlane stuff. That ended up being fantastic. Thank you to everybody that did watch it. It meant a lot. Thank you so much. Watched on YouTube. Subscribe. It's simple. Hit, hit, hit that damn subscribe button. Hit the thumbs up while you're at it. And then also, watching via Facebook, it's very, very, very simple. You just got to hit the damn like button, hit that follow button, watch, leave questions, leave comments. We will answer them. I promise we're going to be on a while. But what a day. I had in my mind we were going to see some violent knockouts. This is because it's the heavyweights. By game damn, we got a knockout in the UK. Dillian White regained the the interim WBC heavyweight title, and we'll talk about Dillian White a little bit later. But the main reason we are here, good old Lordy Francis Naganu. You're a scary motherfucking man, my friend. Francis Naganu knocks out Stevie Miocic in the second round and becomes the UFC heavyweight champion of the world. Before we even break this down, Daryl, because there's a lot to break down. Are you surprised by what we saw at UFC 260? A little bit, yeah. I didn't think it was going to be that easy for him. He made Stipe Stipe Miocic, one of the greatest heavyweight fighters of all time, look... Like, easy work. And here's the thing. Miocic could take a punch. Guy has a strong, like, chin. Because some of those punches would have put anybody else away. It took a little bit more, but I was surprised at the way that it ended. It just shows you, this guy is a scary motherfucker. Guy's a scary dude. Keep telling people, this is a scary man. He's not here to mess around. He's not here to play games. And I remember beginning, me and you talked during the week, and it was like, 
man, he's a hell of a fucking underdog. Nope. Miocic. I'm like, man, plus 115. It kind of bounced around of like, okay, it went from 115. Then it went to went down to 105. And I was going to change my odds piece. And I'm like, man, I'm like, because then money started coming in on Stipe. And I'm like, okay, I'm like, is this kind of how I saw it was going to go? And I thought that was going to be the right call. God damn! And it went back up to one thirty-five. I looked this morning. I looked not. To, I looked this morning. It was still minus one thirty-five for Naganu. John Jones right now is on Twitter. He's having the time of his life right now. Well, this is also on Facebook, but no, we'll get we'll get to Johnny Bones in a few minutes. But what I want, what I was thinking was, I'm like, I think. And then I rewatched the fight today. And I'm like, there's no way Francis Naganu is going to win this fight. I just, I didn't see it. I didn't see the best path for him to victory. I just didn't see it. I was sure as hell glad I was wrong. <laughs> I'd never been more wrong about something in my entire life. I'd never been more entertained about being proved wrong before. <laughs> Now, ever, the assumption was he'd win in the first round. I think that was a fair assumption. If he was going to win this fight, it was going to have to be early. If it would have gone past the second round, I think it would have been a. Then I th- then it's people were thinking, okay, this is going to be a long night for Francis Naganu. Boy, were we fucking wrong. <laughs> we didn't see the second round. Second round, a hard left. Think about this. A hard left jab. Sends Miocic flying to the cage. Somehow he gets up. Nagano's pouring it on. Somehow Stipe makes it back to his feet. Clips Naganu with the with the right hand, which affected Naganu after you've seen the replay. Yep. And good lord, he just reset, stepped back, blasted him with the left hook, bent the knee backwards. Want and you could see Herb Dean fucking running. <laughs> I've never seen Herb Dean's ass move so fast. And I love Herb Dean. But good fucking lord, that was a hammer fist from the heavens. Bing, bang, boom, we have a new UFC heavyweight champion of the universe. It's it's one of those things that coming into the fight, both you and I were texting back and forth. We're like, hey, who do you got tonight? You know, just going over what we expected. We both said Miocic or Miocic. We didn't think that it was going to go down this way. I thought Miocic was going to do enough to get out of the second round because the weight difference there, 265 in a UFC ring, that's a lot of oxygen that takes over your body. But at third round, he probably would have been gassed. But, man, he said, fuck that. I'm finishing this right now. I'm done. Went all out. A left jab 
left jab. The right, the right hook that landed first that sent Miocic into the cage was harder. And a left jab just puts him completely out. That is insane. The fact that he can now he learned how to stop the grappling, how to defend it properly against one of the guys that's done it better. 25 takedowns in the USC in USC. One of the most in the USC in heavyweight history. And and Gano just stepped back, put him down, said nothing, get back up, let's get let's keep fighting here. That is insane. That was his one weak spot. His one thing that everybody's like, well, he's new, he's still green, he doesn't doesn't defend well against a tackle, he doesn't defend well against the takedowns. Proved him wrong. All right, cool. Put him down. I've never seen a heavyweight champion get put down so easily as Ingano put him down. You know, and this is the whole this is the whole thing where I, you know, I, I try to tell people this, and like no one ever really wants to like. Well, this is this is just because what we've seen from the first fight, and I can, I can get it. I really, really can. But I think this is also to where I don't think we give. Naganu enough credit is the fact that we don't give not just him, but the team at Extreme Couture. You got to think about that because, you know, and I thought it was really telling. I went back and I read part of the chat I had with Randy Couture. And the thing that like really stood out to me was the fact that he felt Francis was ready. And it was a thing that I think really caught my attention. Was the fact that Randy Couture, who's the best of the best, he's watching Naganu train daily for this fight. And I should have realized it then, Daryl, but I didn't. I was a little slow to the game, per se. And look at what happened. He's like, he's working diligently on his wrestling, Steve. He's working diligently on his wrestling. Well, I'd be fucking damn. He worked on his wrestling. Yeah. Wasn't expecting that. And I wasn't. And that's, maybe I'm a little, I was being ignorant. Shame, shame on me. But that's also Francis Naganu realizing. And this is the one thing I love about MMA. Fighters realize what they need to shore up. Well, some of the, but you, you get a good amount of fighters there that just don't listen. They don't want to listen. They don't. For one reason or another. I don't understand why. Everyone's different. Everyone plays to the beat of a different drummer, and I get that. Not every fighter is made the same. He came to the realization of, I need to get my shit together. Because if I don't get my shit together, I'm going to be in trouble. He looked at this fight as a, and you he didn't say this. And actually, yeah, he did, because I talked to him about this. He understood this was a do or die situation. He knew if he didn't win. More than likely, 
another title crack wasn't coming anytime soon. That's a testament to him. Because he knew at the end of the day, if he didn't get it done here, there was going to be a new UFC champion. And by God, he got it done. And that's a testament to Francis Ngannou. And we lost Daryl. Daryl, where'd you go? Okay, let's see. We got a comment here. Let's read. And new. Yeah, everyone's excited about the new heavyweight champion of the world, Francis Ngannou. What a performance. You gotta give, you gotta give Francis credit. He did. What not many people thought he could do. Stuff the takedowns and get it done. And by God, he got it done. That and that's the te- it's a good testament to Francis Naganu. Showing how great he is. And going in there and realizing, hey. I don't win here. I'm probably never going to get another crack at this. Daryl's computer shut down on him. So I, (laughs) Daryl will be, (laughs) Daryl will be joining us shortly. And he says he'll be joining us shortly. So that does suck. But no, you have to look at it as, it's a testament to me, and you kind of realize, and we'll bring this more again when Daryl comes back on, but when he, when he stuffed the takedown, I'm thinking in my mind, this fight's won. He's got this fight in the bag. What is Stipe Miocic going to be able to do? What's he going to be able to do at that point? Because... That was the weapon he went to in the first fight. He realized, okay, I'm, I don't want to keep getting cracked. I'm going to go for the takedown here, and we're going to go to work. That didn't work this time around. And look at what happened. And I hate saying that. But there, there was, Miocic didn't, once plan A didn't work, He really didn't have a plan B. He really didn't. And that cost him. And I think that's, I think you got to put some of that on his team. You have to. And you hate saying that. For everything Stipe Miocic has done. But you have to think that here. You do. And that sucks. You don't want to think that way. You don't. You have to think that here. You do. And that sucks. You don't want to think that way. You don't. And that's one of those things to where you, you don't want to ever think that. Because you, I respect what Stipe's done. Stipe's done a lot for this sport. He really has. We all can't deny that for what he's done. 
But the game plan here wasn't really the world's greatest game plan. Really wasn't. He didn't have the plan B. In this sport, you got to have plan A, plan B, plan C. We didn't get that here. And look at what happened. It cost him. And I remember I was texting some people in the industry, and I'm like, he stuffs the takedowns. This could be a wrap. Because then he's got no path to winning. Point was proven. And I hate saying that. I respect the hell out of Steve Miocic. I think what he's done for the sport is fantastic. But he didn't have a plan B. He wasn't going to win a striking battle with Francis Naganu. He had to figure out, okay, if I don't get the takedown, what do I do? He had no plan B. Pray. <laughs> well, that's stating the obvious. <laughs> but he didn't have a plan B, Daryl. And that cost him. That cost him big. Yeah. Because it's fine to, you know, you can go, you have to have a couple different plans in mind. He wasn't, plan A didn't work, and he's like, all right, shit, I got a strike. That wasn't going to work in this situation. It wasn't, and it didn't. And look at what ended up happening. It cost him. When he needed it the most, he couldn't get it done. No. It was a testament to, like, I honestly don't think at that point, once he took the wrestling away, the grappling away from Miocic, once Nagano took that away, what else can you do? You're not going to outstrike a guy that's 30 pounds over your weight. That's not happening. Plus, Nagano getting, according to the UFC, you getting hit from Nagano, that's like a semi hitting you at full speed, supposedly. A Ford Escort. A we Ford were, Escort, sorry. We were told a Ford Escort. Ford F-150. <laughs> <laughs> Real quick, we got a lot of people jumping in. It's greatly appreciated. I'm Stephen Mielhausen from DAZN. Daryl, Combat Sports Journalist Daryl Rivera to the right. Have any questions or comments, leave them. We will answer them, I promise. I promise they will be answered. If you're watching via Facebook, it's simple. Type in the Walkway the Fight Club. Like the video. Follow us as well. If you're watching via YouTube, just click that thumbs up button. And also subscribe to the channel. And if you don't catch all of this, the audio will be up a little bit later. About an hour or so after the podcast. And then it will be up for you guys to listen to what late tonight or tomorrow morning. Or in the UK uh, in the afternoon. We're somehow very popular in the UK. I I don't understand how. We're we're big in the UK. I checked the other day, and we were in the top 200 podcasts in the UK. Big in the UK. Huge. I don't know how. (laughs) I don't know either. (laughs) I tried to figure it out, and I go to my wife. I'm like, wait, what? She's like, I'm like, look. And she's like, that's actually kind of cool. And I'm like, apparently they have nothing else better to do. In, in in jolly old England. But love it. <laughs> but you know, it's 
this is one of these things though where you know you knew it was someday this was going to happen. It was just a matter of when Francis Naganu was going to become the UFC heavyweight champion. It was whether he lost again and Stipe was just eventually going to lose or he was going to beat Miocic or he would beat somebody else to win the belt. It's what a guy that that is as talented as he is, considering he's only been in the game for five years in the martial arts game. He has a great story. Fantastic story. It was only a matter of time. Like this guy, freak of nature, can hit like a Ford F-150 apparently or a Ford Escort, whatever freaking Ford truck they're talking about. And is learning more and more, getting more dangerous every year. He only gets better. Now he's the world heavyweight champion, and he still is getting better. He had Kamara Usman in his corner around this time around, teaching him some things. He's getting more veterans, like Randy Couture sees him training every day. He gets more people to give him more advice and everything like that, and he's taking that like a sponge. That makes a dangerous man, a scary man, even worse. He's becoming a nightmare in that heavyweight division. Becoming a nightmare? He already was a nightmare. Even more. I literally stood, and I've told this story on the podcast before. I was like six feet away from this guy when a vicious left uppercut in Detroit at the Little Caesars Arena, UFC 217, he nearly sent Alistair Overeem's head to Canada. I saw that about Almost 15 like times tonight. Canada! <laughs> he hits harder than a Ford Escort. I'm sorry. you. I, I asked Overeem. Overeem said he had never been hit like that in his life. <laughs> and Overeem is a combat sports veteran. Veteran of the veterans. I asked Overeem that. Right before he fought Jarzino Rosenstrike. I remember asking him it dearly. And I'm like, and I told him, I'm like, I don't want to bring this up, but Nagano was getting ready for a fight. And I'm like, can you just detail it for me? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, I've never been hit like that in my life. <laughs> and I swear to God on that. Jesus. He can hit like a ton of fucking bricks, man. That is. He is downright scary. That uppercut, I'm like, I remember looking at UFC PR then, and I'm like, I am fucking glad I made the drive from Tinley Park, Illinois, to freaking Detroit, Michigan. That was well worth, and that was only the, that was, oh God, it was, it was Comey, because that card was pretty stacked. You had, Third from the top was Eddie Alvarez and Justin Gaethje. That was an awesome fight. You had that fight, and then you had Max Holloway once again destroying Jose Aldo to retain the featherweight title. But it was, it's just, I saw it then, and I'm like, my God. Oh, my fucking Lord. You couldn't pay this is, this is This is like first word. This is 
next level shit. Pardon my language, but I'm watching this guy and I'm like, I knew then, right in that, that moment in time, I knew he'd be the heavyweight champion of the world. It's, you're going to pay me enough to take one jab from the guy. Like, it, he, it's that bad. But now, you see, he's already gone through Miocic. He already beat a couple of heavyweights coming up. What's next? Before we get to what's next, because we all know what's next. Oh, and we're going to talk about that, my friend. Oh, lordy. Let's talk about what's next for Stipe Miocic. Before we get to what everyone wants to talk about, what is next for the former champion? I don't. I don't even know. The fight right now to make is the one that everybody's thinking of. No, no. no let's talk about what's next. I, we're gonna it. get. We're gonna get there. It's called teasing. It's calling the tease. Come on. And we're teasing it, but at the same time, what's next for Miocic? What do you do with them? Like, there's you can you can have him fight Derek Lewis, maybe you can have him fight. I don't know. Like, if I had to make a fight right now, Stipe, you have to fight in the next five months. Nagano's booked. Derek Lewis is the guy. That's a sexy fight. Mm-hmm. It's a sexy fight for this reason. Because you got two you got two heavy hitters. Derek Lewis is also improving. You look from that loss he had to Daniel Cormier. Yes, it was short notice, but we all knew how that was going to go. Daniel Cormier was a smart enough man to know. I'm not standing with you. We're going to get this fight to the ground. I'm going to take you down, beat your ass. And that's what happened. But you look at since then and how Derek Lewis has improved. Him and Cyril Gain, it seems like they want to fight. But I think a bigger fight, because this is what I got to think. Derek Lewis beats Cyril Gain. The guy who gets through John Jones, we'll get to John in a minute. I want to see the last loss Francis Ngannou had to Derek Lewis. Yeah, the fight sucked. Fight was horrible. But at the end of the day, Derek Lewis got the W, and that's all that fucking matters. Nope. But Miocic, if it's not Derek Lewis, I don't know. Maybe hey. Jarzino Rosenstrike, and maybe you go there. Get a good bounce back win? Maybe? You know, I I know the UFC isn't happy with Rosenstrike, so why not throw him in there with Stipe? Let Stipe get a good win. So I think that's a good win for Stipe. That Derek Lewis fight is tough. I know what I'm getting from Rosenstrike. Because I don't think Stipe is going to get in immediate. Even though I, if the UFC said, you know what, we're running the trilogy back now. It's 1-1. I think it's still marketable. Yep. Stipe is the greatest heavyweight of all time. 
in my mind, I, to me, that still belongs to Stipe Miocic. One loss doesn't – that doesn't change the narrative for me. we got a lot of people jumping in here. We're bouncing in and out. It's greatly appreciated. If you're watching via Facebook, it's simple. Just like the, like the post, leave a comment, leave a question. I prom, We promise it will get answered. Like the page and also follow the page as well. If you're watching via YouTube, simple. Subscribe to the channel. Hit that thumbs up. And also leave a question and comment. That would be greatly appreciated. If not, if you jump in and out, the audio will be up. We'll, we'll be entering Sunday morning. Be available on all your favorite podcasting platforms. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe. But I think he wins one fight. You give him the next crack. If you're not going to go trilogy, which I don't think they're going to, and we'll get to what's next for Francis Naganu in a second. But I just feel like he's more like if they said, you know what? If they can't come to an agreement with John, and I think John's gonna be extremely picky here. But John's also not doing all this training and not fighting for the last 13 months to not face the heavyweight champion of the world. We'll get into John in a minute. If somehow that doesn't happen. Yeah, you run the trilogy back. It's still a very marketable fight. I'll look right now at the Google Trends. The last time I looked on the Google Trends, it was at 500,000 searches, which is eh. But I think this, it's still at 500,000. That's actually pretty low for a UFC pay-per-view. I'm actually quite surprised by that, actually. It's been talking. I know it's trending number one on Twitter. Google Trends is kind of where, that's kind of where your pay-per-view indicator's at. So we'll check again in a little bit before we get off the air. But I agree with you. A Derek Lewis fight, I think, is very marketable. Actually, it's very marketable because Derek Lewis is fucking, he's a godson. <laughs> and I got to say this about Stipe Miocic. He gets, does he, does he get a bad rap for interviews? Absolutely. Not going to lie. I used to dread that UFC text message. Hey, Steve, do you want to interview Stipe Miocic? But I felt like it turned around, at least for me. It turned around when he knocked out Verdum and won the belt. Because I talked to him. It was within five days of him coming back from Brazil. And I'm like, holy shit, I'm turning the corner with this guy. He's great now. And ever since then, he's great. Because I fit the, the getting him amped up. He hates talking about fighting. If he could, and I just said it, I'm like, me and you have been talking almost 10 years. You hate talking about fighting. So we're sitting there talking about other shit before we even start. Like we're talking about baseball. We're talking football. We're talking about our kids. We're talking about his podcast, his coffee. We finally, after eight minutes, got into fighting. It noticeably changed. And I said to him, one of my final questions was, why do you hate talking about fighting? This is what you do. You're trying to pump the fight. He's like, A, it's the UFC's job, the the marketing team to do their job. And B, which he's not wrong on. Nope. And I said that to him on the call with UFC PR. So if I don't get another interview for like two weeks, I won't be. Actually, they don't have a a show for a couple weeks, so that'll be nice. 
And the fact that he's like, I don't like talking about myself. I can respect when a fighter says that. I appreciate honesty. He doesn't like talking about himself. He's not a fan of interviews to begin with. No. And he's like, you know what? If I'm going to do them, I'm going to be very picky and choosy on who I do them with and who the UFC gives me. Which I took as a compliment. But also the fact that you can, he's like an onion. It took a while. The tears were coming down continuously. But we finally got there. <laughs> we I feel like me and Stipe finally got there and I we finally got there. But no, I I think Stipe's gonna come back. He's gonna, gonna go home. His wife's having a baby in August. I don't see him fighting much before October, November. I don't I just don't see him. I don't see him getting back in the cage very soon. You know, I really don't. You know, he's about to be a dad. You know, that was a pretty violent knockout. It really was. He had a hard time getting up. So. I was I more concerned. I was concerned for him getting up himself. I'm like, dude, just stay down for a bit, man. I was. That was a little scary. Yeah. You know, I don't like seeing fighters getting out. You mean you've been covering this long enough and watching his fans long enough to know violent knockout. Yeah. It's fun. You get like, Oh, Holy shit. But that ain't fun. Watching them. You can hear like Rogan and Anik in DC. Like, don't get up. Don't get up. Don't get up so quick. That was just, man, that was, that was a rough one. It yeah. really, really was. Now, now we can get to what you want to talk about. <laughs> Francis Naganu, his first title defense will be against John Jones. That has been made clear. The UFC made it clear. Dana White screamed it from the rooftops. Francis Naganu, that John Jones would be the first title. Uh, John Jones would be the next challenger for the heavyweight championship of the world. Hmm. Now. You think John Jones' mind changes at all seeing that destruction? I think his mind changes on the figure that he's going to demand in order to make this fight happen. It's like, hey, this was the number today. I just saw Miocic get blasted by a left hook. Uh, I'm going to want more. That number changed. If you want me to get in there with that beast... You're gonna have to pay me more. It's gonna have to. It's gonna have to change a little bit, Uncle Dana. <laughs> You're gonna have to empty your pockets a little bit more. Instead of like seven million, that may get pushed to like eleven. I want Conor McGregor numbers here. All right, maybe a little higher. The I think the fight happens. John said, "Show me the money." We know that the negotiating game has already begun. Yeah. The guy who's ready, the guy who wants it. They've been trash talking on Twitter. This is not a – the guy who's not here to play games. He's not. He's really not. And there is a time and there is a place. 
this fight's going to happen. It's just a matter of it's a matter of when. Hearing the guy who talk in July, August, kind of how the UFC main event picture is lined up at this point. You got the return to pay-per-view next month in front of fans. That's a whole other topic that we'll be discussing ad nauseum until April 24th. It's another can of worms. Kamara Usman, Jorge Masvidal 2, Valentina Shevchenko, and Jessica Andrade. And then you have, oh my God, I'm drawing a blank on that third title fight. Wailing Zhang versus uh, oh, Nama Yunus. Oh, that fight's cool. Three awesome title fights, by the way. Not going to lie. I'm pretty geeked to the gills. And I am not going to Jacksonville, Florida, by the way. God. I turned him. <laughs> no, I'm not going to the cesspool known as Florida. Um, but that's another time. But you have that. Then you have UFC 262, May 15th. You have Oliveira Chandler for the vacant lightweight title. Then you have 263 on June 12th with, oh, I'm, I can't wait for this rematch. Davis and Figueredo, Brandon Moreno, flyweight title on the line. That's going to be freaking lit. The running plan right now for UFC 264 on July 10th is Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier 3. That is the running plan. So I don't know if the UFC maybe goes two pay-per-views in July. Maybe you just super stack, put Naganu Jones on there with McGregor Poirier. Shit, that would be... What do you headline with? Actually, you have to headline with Connor ain't playing second fiddle to fucking nobody. And knowing the way the UFC likes to not pay fighters, I'm going to figure that's going to get its own pay-per-view billing, as it should. Okay, time. So you would go McGregor Poirier 3 over the heavyweight title bout of Naganu Jones. Absolutely. Connor McGregor is the biggest name in combat sports. One of the biggest athletes in the world. Coming off a loss. Doesn't matter. That's going to do... Bigger numbers. That fight did one five. That is true. That's gonna do two, minimum. Because you know the old Connor is gonna come back. He's gonna sell the. We're not gonna see this. Oh, da, 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 yeah, I'm gonna have three kids. No, it, it, we're gonna see old school Connor McGregor. Plain and simple. This nice guy shit is done. Sorry, everybody. It's I done. hope I hope to see it, but the chances of. Both fights happening in one night, that's that's very, very low. That's not happening. That's not happening. Because Conor McGregor won't play second fiddle to anybody, but yes, John Jones. Yes, he shouldn't. John won't either, and John no. shouldn't either. No. John shouldn't either. Neither, neither guy in that situation should. I, I don't blame either guy. I wouldn't. No. Those are the two biggest names in Conor's one. If I had to say two right now, it's Francis Nagano. This John hasn't fought. You gotta just you gotta sit and you gotta think about it. It's right now it's it's Connor. You can make it I think it actually I take that back. Connor Masvidal, Adesanya, and then Nagano. And then John. Out of sight, out of mind. Out of sight, out of mind. But you look at this fight. 
for the heavyweight championship of the world, Francis Ngannou will meet John Jones. What if Francis Ngannou beat John Jones? That's Where a- do you put Francis Ngannou in terms of all-time greats? Where do you put him? The GOAT? You could make a legit case. And I know we're going to get into this later, and we got plenty of time. But I'm fucking fired up today. I got no kids. I can get as loud as I fucking want today. I've worked since 1 o'clock this afternoon. I'm somehow (laughs) still fired up. I don't know why. But if you sit and think about it, the heavyweight GOAT, then the pound-for-pound GOAT. Daryl, where the hell do you go from there? Where do you go? I don't. I, I can't tell you. I don't know. I don't know where you go. You run it back with the trilogy with Miocic. Obviously, you're going to have to at some point. He's the goat. Naganu well. would be the goat. He can. He stops Miocic. See, he stops John Jones. In all honesty, Francis Naganu. John Jones. This is going to determine the GOAT. You got the MMA, and I'm going to find the article. And we're going to repost that shit. I'm going to tell the zone we're going to repost it, even though I wrote it for Sporting News. I remember that that night at UFC 217. I was going to go home. I was going to go drive to my lake house, and I was going to sleep. You know what I did? I'm sitting there driving. I'm on the highway. I see a McDonald's. I got my ass off, ordered the two cheeseburger meal, large combo, busted out that laptop. I wrote like an 1,100-word column on calling Francis Naganu the next Mike Tyson. He is MMA's Mike Tyson. Pull it back. Oh, you're Pull fucking right. I'm pulling it back. He, I'm going fi- to find that fucking article. That will be posted tomorrow on the walkway to Fight Club. They'll be posted all over the place for everybody. This guy's on a... You got the MMA Mike Tyson against the GOAT right now in Johnny Bones. The winner becomes the all-time GOAT. Plain and simple. My opinion. Right, wrong, or indifferent. Now, I see we got a ton of quality people. Everybody, like, what the fuck's wrong with you? I, what do you think of that? Am I wrong I don't, on that or no? I don't think you're completely wrong, though. Because you're seeing what Naganu is now that he's learning more and more. Like I said before, he's getting better. He's getting worse. He's becoming a bigger problem for anybody that's thinking about going after him. He's getting the Mike Tyson syndrome. If he goes through John Jones, you can put anybody against him, anybody, and he's going to draw anybody. You can put him up against, I don't know, you can put him up with, just take him a random name, and he's going to, Oldenick, he's the number 15 ranked fighter right now in, in the heavyweight division. That's going to draw. It would. <laughs> you said Olenek. Anything with- he would smash Olenek in about six seconds. And guess what? People are going to pay to see that. 
he's getting to that level. And if he beats John Jones, that's going to get even bigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you're not. You're not wrong. It's a hundred and ten. And that was like the thing with Tyson. You put Mike in there with anybody. <laughs> it drew. He faced freaking Lou Savarese. They sold out like a stadium in Scotland. <laughs> Francois Botha sold out the MGM grain to January 1999. Buster Mathis Jr. sold out Dear the Lord. old Spectrum in Philadelphia. Man, you're really bringing out the names, huh? <laughs> I'm saying you you get to that point to where you have that aura about you people will flock to see you you personify greatness people will see you people want to see knockouts people want to see that charisma Mike had that charisma Ali had that charisma you look in this day of age in combat sports Canelo Alvarez Anthony Joshua, Conor McGregor. You looked at, at Ronda Rousey, John Jones. Now you look at with Israel Adesanya, Jorge Masvidal. Amanda Nunes is climbing Amanda up Amanda Nunes, uh, Francis Naganu. People want to see that. Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder. Not, I'm, I'm not going to put Wilder, but Tyson Fury. Is another one. Wilder, for some reason, Deontay Wilder was like the anomaly to where in Alabama he would sell out in his home state. You put him anywhere else in the country, beyond the rematch with Tyson Fury, wasn't selling out. Because he didn't fight anybody. You know, and now it's just, it's one of those things. And People want to see that. Naganu has it. Now, you look at this fight. Maybe maybe we'll toss in a prediction in a minute. But in terms of numbers, I, I've seen some stuff on Twitter already. Oh, this is going to break 2.4 million buys set by Khabib and McGregor. And I'll ask you, based on how we've set this up here, where do you see Naganu Jones at this point? How many buys are you predicting right now for pay-per-view? 1.8. So not beating the record? No. What led you to 1.8? Just think about this. You look at the pay-per-view, the Google Trends today is still at 500,000. It didn't do as much traffic as it normally would do. And this is Miocic and Naganu. Miocic is the greatest heavyweight fighter of all time, arguably. Because I agree with you in that sentiment. I think he's the greatest heavyweight fighter of all time. You look at John Jones' layoff. He's been out of the game for a while. That's going to affect the numbers. You look at Connor, you look at like Connor versus Khabib. That shit hit like national news after that whole bus incident. That was something that people like wanted to see because there was so much background to that fight so much like so much marketing so much stuff going on to the point where people were tuning in to see a fight because they knew it was going to be a bloodbath and that's what it was 
this fight is now starting to everybody knew it, it was one of those secrets that everybody knew it was gonna happen at some point john jones is either gonna fight miocic or is gonna fight nagano nagano's a more likely name because he's more i don't want to say fresher in the eyes of mma but he's the more intriguing name to fight jones you add that on there I don't think it'll break the record. I might be lowballing it at a 1.8 right now because it's not even announced yet. Marketing team can work its magic and get it to two, but I don't think it's going to break the the record. You said it yourself. Connor right now is the best-selling at fighter in MMA, the most popular fighter in MMA right now. He's the most popular. You look at it in terms of combat sports, it's him. Yeah. Tim, Canelo, Anthony Joshua – I think you gotta put I think you gotta put Masvidal in there. I know people hate when I bring that up all he just lost, but you look at what he, he sold out Madison Square Garden. You sell twenty thousand tickets in the garden. You get set over around sounds like around seven seven hundred and fifty thousand buys for that fight the BMF fight with Nate. And that just took him one point three million for the fight. Worldwide buys with Usman the first time around. Now you look at a sold-out Jacksonville, and you could say, oh, well, you know, it's the first event back. But you look at a lot of sporting events aren't selling out. WWE hasn't sold out WrestleMania yet. I think that's surprising. Wow. You know, but then they, and you have to – they announced those title fights, but what's at the top of the bill? And that should get the credit, as it should. To me, it always should. The top fight – your main event should get the credit. And that's a testament to Jorge Masvidal. But you look at all those guys. I think you got to put John's in there top 10. I think Francis is going to get there. I agree with you. I think 1-8, 1-9, maybe if the – but it's all dependent on how it is the week of the fight. And you know how this is. Like, and you brought up McGregor and Khabib earlier. You got it was already boiling. But it got to that fever pitch the week of. During fight week. It just exploded. Same thing with Mayweather and McGregor. Mayweather Pacquiao. The big pay-per-views really catch on the week of the fight. I didn't feel it with this one for some reason. Like I knew it was big. You knew it was big. But, like, usually I know when it's big when I'm getting bombarded with media. Hey, I got to go I got to sit for three hours and do media. I'm I'm doing media Monday. I'm only doing two interviews. So we'll see if that picks up tomorrow if I get messages. But as of which really shocked me. But I think the factor of John making his return, making that leap up the heavyweight. I say one eight. If the catch is right the week of, I agree with you. Maybe it gets to two, two point one million buys. It's going to be interesting. It just depends on the build. It always it's always that. Who wins? Let's just throw it out there. Yeah, the fight's not official. You said it, I know. Nagano. Wow! 
Nagano wins. What you saw tonight was good enough. Yep. What I've seen so far is good enough. Like I mentioned before, this is a guy that's only been doing martial arts for five years. He's getting better. He trained exactly for what Miocic beat him last night. It's like, hey, training against wrestling, training against the graphic, training against the mat, going against that. He's going to have time to plan out against John Jones. John Jones on a 13-month layover. You already saw McGregor. McGregor and Poirier. The worst thing you can do in the sport is an activity. An activity is the worst thing you can do in the sport. That's going to come back and bite John Jones in the ass. Now, he can use that, like McGregor did, and set up a rematch. More money flying in for both fighters. Honestly, right now, based on what I saw tonight, based on what I haven't seen from John Jones in 13 months, I picked Nagano to win. I have to agree. What I saw tonight was all I needed to see. Now, Dana Dana White talking nonsense. This is all fluid. So I'm just reading what I'm seeing. But I, I'm getting told what's going on here. And I, I just clicked on an article. Dana White suggested, he goes, if I'm John Jones and watching this fight at home, I'm moving to 185. Jones goes to Twitter, go to 185. I didn't gain all this weight for no reason. Then with a laughing out loud emoji. I understand, and there was another tweet. I understand Francis looked great tonight, but I am definitely not stupid. Remember that. John wrote in a tweet that has since been deleted. John's not stupid. John's the smartest fighter I've ever seen in mixed martial arts. There's no, but John's also been vulnerable. You look at the fight with Tiago Santos. You look at the fight with Dominic Reyes. And you people, John can say, well, you know, I was getting bored, blah, blah, blah. I also could be just getting old. We eventually, guys, people eventually do get old. You know, and I just don't see what I seen tonight from Naganu. And this isn't being like the prisoner of the moment or any of that. I'm not the world's biggest fan of that whole that nonsense. But if you just look at the body of work, you look at it. I think you got to – you lean towards Francis. Yeah. You really – you lean towards Naganu, just because of all that, the knockout power. The way I thought he fought very composed tonight. Like when he landed that overhand right in the first round. He could have gotten excited. The old Naganu would have been would have went guns blazing and bam, 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 bam. But he learned from the first fight and he didn't get the adrenaline dump. And he realized, okay, I need to stay composed. Because he said his team kept telling him all week. Relax. Relax. Don't get too caught up. 
relax, relax. And you even seen in that finishing sequence, he fainted the right hand, blasted him with the left jab. He went for it, but he didn't he didn't blow his load. Stipe got up, and right when Stipe, he got hit with that right hand, it wasn't, and he was already getting set, so he was practically out of range already. He just stayed composed, blasted him with the left hook. He knew it was done then, and then he called it a wrap. <laughs> John's an old 33. John's been through the wars, but John also likes to party. That eventually is going to catch up to somebody. It's going to catch up. Father Time is still undefeated. Yep. I'm going Francis Naganu. Francis Naganu becomes the GOAT. I don't disagree completely. Like I mentioned before, he John Jones can tweet whatever he wants. He's like, I'm smarter than what you may think, blah, 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 blah. Still got to get in there and face him. Mike Tyson said it best. Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And guess what? Nagano punches really fucking hard. And you got to look at John's never really been hit hard. Tiago Santos cracked him a couple times, but John would still all the same thing with Reyes. John's never really been. How does John react to power like Nagano? We've never seen. This is this is generational power. Let's just call it like we see it. I mean, how... I have to admit. Stipe, that overhand right in that first round, that was hit pretty flush. Stipe held up pretty well. I, I give <laughs> most 99% of fighters would have fallen right on the, and crumbled. Stipe didn't. I think that's a testament to Stipe. I could tell you right now. I could tell you right now what Stipe was thinking as soon as he got hit. It's like, oh, fuck that. What the fuck did he hit me with? Plan changed. Like you said. Plans go out the window once you get hit in the once you get cracked. Yep. Everybody has and a plan until you get hit in the mouth. Everyone has a plan until they get hit in the mouth. And we will let's I don't even know how we how can we talk about the rest of the show? Let's get let's just go over the main card because I gotta admit, this was a and you said it to me before we came on. This was a pretty entertaining main card. Yep. It really was. I came away so impressed with so many people on this card. And we'll we'll kind of just work down. We'll go to the, we'll talk about the co-main event. Tyron Woodley, Vicente Luque. This was a big fight for Tyron Woodley. And he came out early. He came out blazing. He was the aggressor. He was landing the right hand. He tried to take Luque down and give Luque credit. His take on the fence was excellent. And it was just a battle of positioning. It seemed they both were switching positions. They were each gaining an advantage. It seemed like Woodley had the power advantage. The beginning of the end came when Woodley cracked him with the right hand, and it right behind, right behind the ear, you could see Luke shaking a little bit, and you're like, okay. It looked like Woodley was back. And me and you said this in a text. He got a little too excited. Instead of staying composed like Naganu. He blew it. He, he went for it all, tried an uppercut, and then he got cracked. And I don't know how he stayed up, but he stayed up. And then Luke K just poured it on, got him, got it to fight. Woodley tried for a takedown and got stuffed. Luke K locked in the Darce choke right against the cage. 
Woodley tapped out. First round stoppage, first round submission win for Vicente Luque. Big win for Luque. Biggest win of his career, no doubt. Definitely a contender. I said, you know, Woodley was saying all the right things, and it, saying all the right things this week. And I had talked to some people yesterday about him. They're like, no, nah, he's looking great. And I think he, we, we're thinking he's going to come out. He's going to come out looking sharp. He's going to come out looking. And for the first couple of minutes, I thought Tyron Woodley was looking great. That right. He just got, it was like what we said, we just said about with Nakanu. He blew his load, got a little too excited. Got composed, he went, he, he went for the kill shot when he didn't need to do that yet. And then what happened, happened. And, but now that's four in a row for Woodley. It's a classic, the classic overcorrection from Woodley. The past couple fights against Gilbert Burns and Kobe Covington. He was very passive. He wasn't as aggressive as he normally is. He's taking his time. Letting he he basically had his back to the cage most of the time in those last two fights. Today, he was more aggressive, more aggressive, over aggressive, and he got taken advantage of by Luke. Luke played it perfectly, except for that one shot. He almost got knocked out at one point, but he stayed composed. As he said in the post fight interview, I got a strong trend, I used it, I waited for my shot, and then I took it. And that's all there is to it. But Woodley is is just the overcorrection. He was here at first, then he went all the way to aggressive. He this is where he was when he was a world heavyweight champ. He was in the middle. He was aggressive, but not too aggressive to the point where he would fall vulnerable. He needs he just needs to find that Tyron Woodley. That's why I text you. What Tyron Woodley are we gonna are we gonna see tonight? The old one. Or the passive one that got his ass kicked and kept having his back to the cage. This was a new one. This was an overly aggressive Tyron Woodley. Now he just needs to get back a little lower. I just think it's going to be in a new home. It's four in a row. And don't get me wrong. And people can say, well, he lost to Kamara Usman. He lost uh, Gilbert Burns. He lost to Colby Covington. He lost to Luke. His relationship with Dana White is like the jilted. It's like the, it's like the c- couple that gets divorced, or on the verge of getting divorced. They just don't get along. No. And it's honestly, same, and it's the same circumstance here. I, he's gonna get caught. Yeah. He's gonna. A, a change of scenery wouldn't kill him, in my opinion. Like if you went to Bellator or went to PFL, I don't think that would be the worst thing in the role for Tyron Woodley. But I think the next time we see Tyron Woodley, I think it will not be in the It won't be in the UFC. He, he had that look on his face too. When the results were getting right, he was like, fuck, this is dumb. He knew it was a wrap. And you hate saying that, but, but it is what it is. Sean O'Malley, the sugar show, your guy, D.Y., Third round TKO win over Thomas Almedia. Sean O'Malley made this more difficult than he needed to make it. Jesus Christ. He had Almedia done in the first on a beautiful head kick. Had him thought it was done. 
No, it was the head kick, landed a right hand. He thought it was a wrap. Referee Mark Smith had other things in mind. And give credit to Almedia. He bounced back pretty quick. And I gave Thomas Almedia that. He came back pretty quickly and regained his bearings and and the fight went on. But it was just O'Malley, his striking was on point. It was crisp. I liked how he was switching stances. Shots were looking good. Then the third round, he dropped. (laughs) I'm sitting here watching this. And I'm like. Drops him again. Then he stood there and he was like, and I'm thinking I would have called the fight there. No. I don't know what referee Mark Smith was doing. That was some shitty officiating. Almedia was done. That was a wrap. You mean Thomas, then O'Malley's like, shit, I don't want to do this. He's like, I don't want to make the mistake I did in the first round. Blasted him. Oh, my God, that right hand. It reminded me of when Dan Henderson did that to Michael Bisbing at UFC 100. Oh, God, that was bad. That was, like, my mind was, I almost texted Bisbing. I was, like, thinking, I'm like, no, I'm like, I'm like, me and Mike are good right now. Like, I don't want him getting pissed. You text like, that look familiar. I was like, to shit, you? I'm gonna text Biz. That was like the first thought in my mind. I was like, I'm gonna text Bisbing just to see if he'll answer. Because he's always good about answering. Usually, like, what the hell do you want, Steve? What the hell do you want? <laughs> I ain't doing interviews. But but I was like, oh my God. And then he did text- the whole then he did the whole balling thing, and I'm like, it's like, what the fuck was Mark Smith thinking there? I don't and don't don't I, and I seen people blaming O'Malley. Why did O'Malley do that? Nope. Because the referee fucking didn't do anything. Mark Smith stood there with a thumb in his ass. Sorry, thumb in his ass, and did nothing. That was an unnecessary shot that didn't need to be had. When a fighter literally waits a second to drop that hammer, that's because he was waiting for the ref to give him like he's. Done. That's do your, it. Oh, do your fucking. I now I can understand the first. Maybe, I got the first one. I don't. I don't. O'Malley still should have went for it, but I yeah. can understand Mark Smith's position. You go until the ref tells you to stop. That's one thing. The first, the first knockdown. I get it. I get why Mark Smith didn't pull the trigger there, because he was still. Almeida was still scrambling. He was still trying to get his feet under him and everything. That second one, you could, he was out as he was going down to the ground. He was done. When a, when a human being falls just straight done, he's done. There's, there's no coming back from that. And when the fact that a fighter literally looked at you and said, either you tell me it's done or I'm going to drop the hammer on this guy, just end it. He literally gave him a chance, and that's a Mark Smith. O'Malley has no fault on this because what are you going to do? You're going to wait for the guy to collect his thoughts again, get back up, and keep fighting? No. You want to end this? It's a sugar show. You want to end this in style, and guess what? He went diving in, dropped the hammer, and it was over. But that fight should have ended, and I I texted you this. This fight should have been ended in like 
the first 50 seconds of the fight. O'Malley looked awesome. Yeah. I, he looked phenomenal. You know, I can be – he got – I thought getting rounds in was key. That's going to help. And I know people are going to be like, well, you know – and Cormier said this during the broadcast, and, and DC wasn't wrong to where – because Anik brought up, like, oh, you know, it's good that he's getting rounds in. And I agree with John. But I also could – I agree with DC where it's like, you want to get in and out. But also, I think there's nothing like getting that experience, and I have no problem at all with what with what he said there. And I, I think both there's a case to be made for both, but a good one, good bounce back one for O'Malley after that that loss to Cheeto Vera, thirteen and one. I think he's going to be ranked after this. He should be. He's going to get fast tracked a little bit. I think he's going to get a guy in the lower, like, 10 to 15 for his next fight. I think I think by this time next year, we could be talking about O'Malley fighting for the title or at least being in a number one contender. I yeah. really do. He's that good. He's very marketable. He's very popular. And I think that helps Sean O'Malley. I really do. Definitely agree with, with that. I mean, when you see a guy, he has the charisma. He has the showmanship, as he was trying to do twice today. And – he has the talent. He has all the intangibles for the UFC to have another megastar. Oh, absolutely. UFC 260, 1 million plus Google Trends. It is trending number two for the day. Number one, Oral Roberts. Covering that plus. I had, I see people all over Twitter. Yeah, they covered it. and a half. I was like, goodness gracious. That they were so close, man. So close. I was like, oh my God, I'm thinking they're going to win. I like, they were up. They were up like four. And I turned back on the prelims. I'm like, next fight was starting. I'm like, all right, I got to get back. And then I went to a commercial and then they were down four. I was like, no. (laughs) That was just a heartbreaker how they lost. That was unfortunate, but that's okay. They had a good run and hopefully Arkansas loses in the to Baylor, which I think they're going to. But that is for here nor there. Women's strawweight action. Jillian Rob number 15, Jillian Robinson against the young phenom Miranda Maverick. I will give Jillian Robertson this. She came out the PIMP. <laughs> I was none about me. I was like, man, came out to an oldie and a goodie. Miranda Maverick, she's good. That, this fight was fun. You texted me. Me and you were out. I was going to text you this, too, and you beat me to it. That fight was all kinds of fun. Yep. We saw a little bit of everything. We saw some grappling, high-level grappling from both ladies. But the, the determining factor was on the feet. And you looked at Maverick won that first round with her striking. Jillian Robinson, great takedown in the second round. Got that fight to the ground and great top control. I thought her top control positioning, going for submissions, I thought was well done. I give Maverick credit, trying to get out of different positions, but good top control and top position by Jillian Robinson. When I put this on Twitter, I thought the tide of the fight changed when Maverick got back to her feet. And you've seen this, you know, and it's seen the same thing in boxing. 
when they're getting dominated in the round, they just kind of give up in those final 30 seconds. They just kind of want to, they kind of just want to regain their bearings. She didn't do that. She went right in and she, we, she went back to striking. And I'm like, that's a momentum shift. She still lost the round. But in that final 30 seconds, her striking was on point. And some really good crisp strikes. And that carried over to the third round, and she called it a wrap. Great striking on the feet. Got a very key takedown with a little more. I think it was like a little more than a minute to go. Miranda Maverick. A judge even gave her the second round, which I thought was weird. Two judges said. Two, oh, that was two judges. What the fuck? And I text yeah. you this. What the fuck were those judges looking at? It was 30-27. I guarantee you they fell asleep in the second round and they woke up in the last 30 seconds seeing the strike. He was like, oh, but that was that was some good high-level grappling. Yeah. I know grappling can put people to sleep. At the beginning of me covering this sport, I used to fall asleep. But just you get more of an appreciation for what the men and women are doing and trying to become complete fighters to be the best they can be to make the most money they can and to, and one either get to get a title shot in in hopes of becoming a world champion. Yep. I respect that 150%. That was fun. That was just a fun fight. Even though yeah, Maverick won the fight. I mean, it was pretty obvious. Yeah. But that was fun. Jillian Robertson never felt like she was out of it. Cuz even in the end she was trying to put her in the guillotines, was trying to put her in a triangle, was was trying to get a darse. She made it, she made herself a threat till the end. A good win for Maverick. 23 years old and she's trying to become a doctor. The what the fuck? Good. And she talks like a teacher. And I was like, oh, come on. You're an awesome fighter. Say you want to kill somebody. I'm going to beat some ass. I want to become a champion. <laughs> she's working. She was. Te- she did two lectures. She teaches at Old Dominion. Oh wow! She's getting her doctorate. She did two lectures while she was cutting weight <laughs> on Thursday. Hey, I want to talk to her before her next fight. I like that girl. It's a good story. Sounds a lot. amazing. A lot going on, and here's the thing: she looked. Pretty fucking good in the ring today. Both both of them did. They, I texted you this. This was a very fun fight. It was. And this is the first fight I saw the night because I missed the first the first main card fight. The 46 knockout because that happened so fast. I completely I missed Kama Worthy. I'm I and my I got, man Malarkey. I got home like Jason Malarkey. Ten minutes, like ten minutes after that, and I was like, okay. I literally turned it on as Miranda Maverick was walking to the ring. Or to the octagon. Yeah, look at 23 years old. Man, she's got some skills. She had seven wins in a row. And she wasn't even happy with her performance. I was like, man, you just whooped some ass. Yeah. Why are you not happy, Miranda Maverick? But she does want a ranked opponent next. Another wants a higher ranked opponent. She wants a top 10 opponent, which I, I'm like, okay, call someone out. Which she did. She wants a top 10 foe. I like her. She's got striking. Her grappling's pretty solid. She's got the drive to be number one. Yeah. I love that. Good shit. 
kicked off the main card. The fight you missed. Comma worthy Jason Malarkey. I knew this wasn't going to last long just because knowing their styles. This was going to end. I thought this fight's not going to the third round. I thought maybe second round. Malarkey had other planes in mind. Clipped him with the left hook. Worthy went down, kind of staggered, did a little Ric Flair flop face first. And then just unloaded a couple, a couple ground and pound punches. Adios. 46 seconds. The native of Australia. Jason Malarkey getting it done. Dedicated the fight to Izzy. Alexander Volkanovsky. What a great performance. Jason Malarkey. 46 seconds and you missed it. I'm gonna hey, I can watch it right now. Give me one minute. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> no, but I, I thought overall, really, really, really good card. It really was. You had you had three fights ending via stoppage. Miranda Maverick looked no four of the five main card fights ended in stoppage. I take I take that back. You had four of the five fights ending via stoppage. The fight that didn't go, the fight that went to a decision. That was a great fight. Miranda Maverick looked fantastic. A really good UFC. So that was a really good pay-per-view. And well, I'm if the numbers are good, you know the UFC will be spouting off in ESPN like, oh, we did this and we did that. <laughs> so if I don't hear nothing by like Tuesday night, I'm gonna take a guess at the numbers weren't uh or up to par. Extraordinarily hot, as they say. Yeah. But I did want to talk about one more thing, and we touched on this on Sunday. WrestleMania main event is now a three-way. Roman Reigns will defend, officially defend the Universal title. And the main event of night two of WrestleMania 37 is he will take on Edge, the winner of the 2021 Royal Rumble, and the leader of the Yes Movement, five-time world champion Daniel Bryan. The way they did this was fantastic. I give W that story. And I, was, I mean, you were talking about this off air storyline of how they went about this. Great job. I can't, the way they built up throughout the show, it was, they were teasing. Oh, maybe they'll do two matches in one night. Back to back. You do one match one night. You do the, the winner faces Daniel Bryan the next night. Then you got rain saying, I'm only wrestling once. Blah, 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 which either that was strong. The Edge promo was strong. Daniel Bryan's like, you need to do, you know, you know in your heart you want it. You know what the right thing is to do. To Adam Pierce and we got what we, we got Adam Pierce announced a triple threat. Edge went ape shit again as the show went off the air. We're getting a three-way. It is official. We reported it on Sunday night. During the podcast, during the fast lane podcast, which is in the archives, by the way. So rate it is in audio, rate, review, subscribe, do all that fun stuff to your favorite podcasting platform. This was the best route to go. It yeah. really was. What do they do though? And that's kind of how, and we'll talk about this more. But it feel this feels all like 2014 all over again. Really does, and I know people are gonna say, "Oh, well, you know, it's hard to determine with fans." You know, Brian's not as hot, which is true. No. 
But when when you just look at what we got with Edge and Roman Reigns to begin with, it wasn't clicking. It wasn't. Vince realized. And I will. And I know people shit on Vince McMahon, and rightfully so. But I will give Vince McMahon this. He understood that shit needed to change. That wasn't clicking. That wasn't vibing. They gauged the room. He made a switch. And it was the right move. And it just happens that Brian's involved again. Whether that's just circumstance or whatever. But, you know, it seems like, and you said this, and you're exactly, you were exactly right. Now this feels fresh. This feels excitement. But does WWE pull the trigger and go with Daniel Bryan? No. As soon as as soon as Fastlane ended, the only thought that I had as, after that match is they're adding Daniel Bryan because somebody has to eat the pen. That's the only thing that went through my Roman Reigns right now is the top heel in the company. He can't take a pin right now. Edge coming back off of another injury. Winning the Royal Rumble, my opinion, cannot take a pin right now. Daniel Bryan, he's been around. He's had his title shot. He's been pinned. Probably to pin again. I disagree with you there. Why? I'm not saying Daniel Bryan's going to win. But if someone's eating the pin, it's got to be Edge. Really? It's got it. You got, and you brought up all, you know, he just won the Royal Rumble. And who did Daniel Bryan tap out to win the World Heavyweight title or the World WWE World Heavyweight Championship at WrestleMania 30? Who did he tap out? Batista. What did Batista do? Won the Royal Rumble. But that's completely different, though. Not at all. It's a completely different Batista story. Batista came on. back from a three year layoff. I know the layoffs are different. In periods, characters are completely different. Came back from the layoff, part time. You knew he wasn't going to be around for a long time. The parallels are there. The circumstance is pretty much the same. If we're really going to sit, and this isn't being being having my head up, Daniel Bryan's ass. This is just if you want to get Roman Reigns over. What is pinning Daniel Bryan again going to do? I'm going to do anything. But what will a pin on Edge do for Roman Reigns? You got to look at it. At least that's how I look. I mean, I could be. Your scenario is not wrong either. I'm just laying out another situation of where this is what they can do. Yeah. They can pin Daniel Bryan, sure. I wouldn't be deathly shocked. I just have not been, I just also really haven't been very impressed with Edge. Now that he's a heel, okay, I, I mean, you got me a little bit. I'm there, a little bit. You always I, liked he, I liked what he did at Fastlane. I liked what he did on SmackDown. I, I liked the promo work of his last two weeks on SmackDown. But, and where's, Edge is not going to be around every week. He can afford to eat the pain. His role shouldn't be 
at this stage of the game, him becoming the world heavyweight champion. Being in big matches. Roman Reigns is still thir- only 35 years old. That's the guy you sh- If you want to make this guy the face of your company, you want to try to push this guy as your next Rock and John Cena, Steve Austin, everywhere in between. He's the one that's got to go over. And if he doesn't, I think Roman should win, but I just want, I agree with you. I don't think Roman Reigns is eating a pin. No. It's going to be Edge or Daniel Bryan eating a pin. I don't think Roman Reigns is dropping the title. I don't think he should drop the title until next year, if that. That's a whole other conversation. But it's an interesting point, though. To your point. WWE has, and I told you this before the show, is it was they set up a situation on Friday where it was incredibly hard, even for them, to fuck it up. And guess what? Now at Mania, you have a situation where you can do many different things that fans don't know what you're going to do, which is key in wrestling, the unexpected usually is the best way to go about it. Sometimes you expect a result, and depending on how you get there, it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Everybody expected Roman Reigns to be in the main event for the past five years. Everybody shat on it. Now that he's a heel, now that he has a better character, now that he's you know, the head of the table, now it's a different story. Now you don't know what you're getting. You have the yes movement. You have the returning legend who won the World Rumble going for one last hurrah, and you got the head of the table. You don't know what way you're going to go. The way I would go is have Reigns retain again. His heel work has been so good that you cannot take the title away from him. you got to give that baby face win to somebody else. Daniel Bryan has had his moment, so has Edge. you got to use Roman Reigns to build up new superstars like a Chinsuke Nakamura. Cesaro pinning Roman Reigns to win the title would be pop-worthy to the point where the roof might come off the fucking place. Can't plan for one night, got to plan for an entire year. And I can get into that for fucking hours. But right now, I don't think Roman Reigns should lose that title. Just based on his heel work. I want to get back to <laughs> we'll shift topics here because we'll let's get back to this because this just keeps getting juicy. Hmm. Dana White did a press conference tonight. That's always fun. <laughs> Depends on well, um, <laughs> some of the media that ask questions. I it's not always ducks and roses. Um, he was asked about it. Dana said I liked it. In response to what Jones had tweeted, that sense sound that sense serious. Then John, call Hunter now. We can make that fight happen. We can make that fight tonight, John. Hunter is Hunter Campbell, the, the COO of the UFC. He handles all the contract stuff and blah blah. Hunter Campbell, very good guy. Um, White was then asked if Jones and Naganu was the fight that was the fight to make next. Oh, you're going to love it. Everyone's going to love this one. Oh, 
Derek Lewis. Derek Lewis. I think I'm going to be sending a message to Derek Lewis tomorrow. Derek Lewis is the fight to make. But if John Jones really wants to have fight, listen. It is one thing to go out and tweet and say you want it. And that I put and that I put on the weight and this and that. Do you want the fight? Dana White questioned. I promise you, we can call Derek Lewis or one of these other heavyweights, and they want the fight. If John Jones really wants the fight, John Jones knows he can get the fight. All he's got to do is call and do it. The negotiating ploy is on. The negotiations are underway, ladies and gentlemen. That's a five minutes after the fight, then negotiations started. Fucking love it. <laughs> love it. Because you know they're playing chess. They're playing chess. They can, and Dana White's not wrong. Don't get me wrong. I, there's times I want to take Dana White and throw him and put his head through my wall here. He's not wrong here. Does John deserve the money? Absolutely. The one thing that UFC and Endeavor is, are not hurting for is money. This is a huge money fight. This should not be hard to make. Hey, John. Here's eight. Just beat. Give him ten million guaranteed. You make, then you make more money on the back. You call it a day. Let's call it a wrap. He's worth ten million dollars a fight from for his guarantee. He's worth the fucking money. This isn't hard to do. You can't. They they can. Dana can really fuck it up. He's done it more than once. But the games have begun. It's going to be an interesting couple of months. The fight's going to happen. It's just, this is all part of the, you give John 10 million, you give Francis 10 million, let's fucking rock and roll. And they're going to make like freaking 120. You call it a day. Oh. Everyone makes their fucking money. You make it, you, you, you'll make one person's salary just off the gate. It's that big of a fucking fight, man. But I wanted to end with that. That is going to be it for us today. Man, we went a little bit here. It's the longest we've went in a while. Good to recap UFC 260. Francis Naganu knocks out Stipe Miocic in the second round to become the UFC heavyweight champion. The question is, what is next? Will it be Johnny Bones Jones? Man, or is Dana White, as I was looking at my messages, the uh, Frank, could we get Francis Naganu and Derek Lewis rematch? I still think that would do well too. I, will I do 1.8 to 2 million buys? No. No. I think that's um that's probably a 600 at least 600 buy paper, 600,000 buy paper. And that's yeah. not bad. They're both going to make some great money. Derek Lewis will make a career high payday. Yeah. I'll tell you that. And I, I think Derek Lewis would not complain about that. But I think that's negotiating. I think Derek Lewis would take the fight. And I'm actually going to reach out to Derek Lewis and see if we can. I can get a. Now that I'm thinking about it, why not? It doesn't hurt to, it doesn't hurt to try. But, no, I think that's what's going to happen. We're going to get John and Francis, everyone. Everyone needs to relax. But, Daryl, where can the fans find you on social media? 
Uh, y'all can find me at dywhatego21 on Twitter. Instagram is Daryl17Rivera. And then uh, Instagram for the Walkway to Fight Club is the, the Walkway to Fight Club, all lowercase, all together, no spaces. You can find me on Twitter at SmealhausenJR and Instagram as well. You can find the Walkway to Fight Club podcast. We can, you can find our page on Facebook. Just type in the Walkway to Fight Club. Like and follow us. It's getting up there slowly but surely. You can also find us on Twitter at Walkway Fight. And also, like Daryl said on Instagram, Walkway to Fight Club, all in lowercase letters. Lots of goodies coming up. And also, we're available in audio. iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeart, all your favorite podcasting platforms. Rate, review, and subscribe. Some great stuff we had last week with the Fastlane Show. This show coming up next week. We'll have the audio from my interview with more than likely the future NXT heavyweight champion, one carrying Cross as he faces Finn Balor night two of NXT stand and deliver. You can catch that on exclusively on Peacock in the United States and also the WWE network worldwide. I don't know. What, it's going to be a slow week, everybody. I'm just going to say this right now. It's Easter week. There is no UFC next week. And the only boxing show taking place next week. Actually, there's two. There will be a, there's a fight card on the zone from Uzbekistan. I don't know. Sure. sure. <laughs> and then you got the big, then you got the fight on ESPN plus the world the super featherweight title fight between Jamal Herring and Carl Frampton. That's going to be off the chain. That will be a good fight, but we'll have, I will, we'll release the audio with Karrion Cross. Very good interview, by the way. He was, he was, but D.Y. Gerald Rivera. I am Stephen Mielhausen. Sleep well. <laughs>